welcome to Money Matters with Michael Kelly. Uh, today, we have a, a guest with us, our CPA, David Hutchinson. Um, give you a little bit of information about Dave. He grew up here in Lancaster, graduated from AV High School, uh, served in the Army. Thank you for your service, Dave. Uh, graduated from Cal State Northridge with a degree in accounting, uh, moved back here to Palmdale and opened up an accounting firm with his partner in business and in life, Gina. Uh, that's his wife. Uh, Hutchinson & Hutchinson is an excellent accounting firm. They specialize in the preparation of individuals and business tax return, also uh, business tax audit defense. Um, great firm. We're very, very happy with them. And what we'd like to do today is talk to Dave uh, about taxes. You know, it, this is everybody's favorite subject. It's that time of year. So to start out with, Dave, just some basic questions for you. Sure. Um, What's the difference between an exemption, a deduction, a tax credit? Because we get those questions all the time. I get them all the time, too. Uh, an exemption is, a, is just a, a specific amount of money that, that is created as a deduction. If you're, an exemption would be if you had a child and you get a $2,000 exemption, it's just a deduction on your return. Uh, the exemptions are a little bit different than they used to be back mm -hmm. Uh, a few years ago, but an exemption is is just another type of a deduction. A credit is a hard dollar refund or a hard dollar credit against your taxes. So if you owed $5,000 and you got a $2,000 credit as you would with the, the uh, child credit and that sort of thing, then your tax liability would go from $5,000 down to $2,000, excuse okay. me, down to $3,000. On the other hand, if you were to get a $2,000 deduction, it's just going to be watered down based on what your tax rate is. So even though you might have the same $2,000 deduction in situation, it might only save you uh, two or $300 in taxes. Okay. And, you know, most Americans nowadays, you know, they worry about their taxes, they worry about their income. We've gotten stimulus checks over the last year. Theoretically, there's more coming. Um, People are a little bit worried about them. Do they report them? Are they taxable? Um, what should they expect? Huge question these days. I get it. I do eight appointments a day. At least six of the appointments a day have questions about it, and most of them are very confused. The The stimulus checks are not taxable. If they, Good. if for some reason you do not pay, uh, they paid you too much in the stimulus check, for instance, you you had a child that was living with you last year uh, that they gave you a stimulus check, but in fact, he wasn't living with you. Let's say it's your, your previous spouse now gets the deduction, the IRS will not come back and ask you for the stimulus refund. They will not charge his income. Uh, so in effect, what would happen is the husband would get, incorrectly get the stimulus check for let's say $500 for the son, and then the mother, when she files her return, will get the $500. So actually the government will end up paying $500 more than they should have, but they don't, they've chosen not to go back and make any corrections on these things. So in summary, the stimulus checks are always positive to you, not taxable. There's even a couple of other nuances. Let's say this year was a tough year for you because you lost your job and that sort of thing. But last year you made uh, $200,000 and you didn't get a stimulus check. Well, the way it's set up, if you qualify for a stimulus check this year, you'll get it. If you would have qualified for it last year, 
then you'll get it. So, so you have two qualifications. One year you may not qualify, so you wouldn't get it. But when you file this year's return, you find out you didn't have that much money, and they'll refund the uh, or they'll give you the the stimulus checks for what you're entitled to. So they'll go back and credit you for that money, even though at the time you didn't qualify. That's correct. So if you can qualify, you didn't qualify. Remember the the stimulus checks were sent out based on your 2019 return. Right. So if you made $200,000, you don't get a stimulus check. But this year you only made 80. So they say, oh, well, you should have gotten this, that, the first stimulus check and the second, so we'll send this, the checks to you based on what you did in 2020 or vice versa. So that's a nice surprise. And again, it's not taxable. It's not taxable. And once again, if for some reason, let's say you had a child in the middle of the year, you're entitled to file your return and then when you put the during the in the reconciliation portion of the tax return it'll say how much money did you get and it'll say oh you're entitled to one more and then they'll send you an additional amount remember these amounts cannot the the stimulus checks cannot be attached by anybody the for past due amounts with the exception of child support if you owe the irs you owe the state you owe, you have a lawsuit against you the stimulus checks cannot be attached so only for unpaid child support, basically. Only unpaid child support. Okay. Wow. Very interesting. Okay. And, and we deal with a lot of retired people. And when they retire, they have income from various sources. They may have a pension, Social Security. They're taking money out of their retirement accounts. Typically, what they do is withhold taxes on them because they, they want to pay the taxes up front. But then at the end of the year, they get a surprise tax bill. Why is that? Well... One of the problems you have with any source of income is that unless you go to great lengths to, to tell whoever is doing the withholding what your other sources of income are, they only look at that small part. So let's say, for instance, you had five pensions and each pension was $20,000. Each pension would be treated as though it was separate. So if for the withholding uh, in the withholding situation, they would look at you and they say, oh, you're married, you're, you're getting $20,000, uh, your standard deduction is high enough, you're not going to pay any income tax on this. Mm -hmm. Boom. And that's going to happen with all five of your pensions. And then uh, at the end of the year, when the reckoning comes, it says, oh, you made $100,000, and they did no withholding on it. So that's when people have to deal with people like yourselves or myself, where you say, no, we need to look at the whole picture. We need to figure out what your projected tax liability will be, and then we need to do the withholdings accordingly. You can have it come from one source, you can have it come from all the sources, or whichever you choose. So if you're collecting uh, from one company, a lot of times we, our, our customers, and I'm sure your, your customers are the same way, they're very reluctant to deal with changing withholdings with the federal government. They're just too slow, things. So it's easier for them to go to uh, XYZ Mortgage Company when they get the distri distribution and say, hey, uh, I'm getting $20,000. I'd like you to withhold $12,000 out of this check, even though that's not what it was necessary for that one and, uh, specifically. But overall, that's how you do it. And that's what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. uh, my end-of-the-year calls always revolve around what's my tax li liability going to be and oh my gosh, if I owe money, how do I get it in there? Right. Okay, so really you just need to accumulate all of your income and treat each part of it as if it was the total. Right. If, as a fail-safe, if somebody says, hey, I'm not really sure what it is, I always tell them to do single and zero. 
single yeah. and zero, and you're going to be you're going to be close. If it's a bunch of money, then single and zero might not always work, but it's going to get you closer than anything. Remember that uh, many people get hung up with the idea that well, I can't file single because I'm married. Right. I I hear that all the time, and it's like no, no. All we're doing is just working off the withholding tables to get you to the right amount, whether it's single or head of household or whatever. So uh, don't be concerned about being married and wanting to have withholding at the single rate. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does. Because none of us like a tax bill at the end of the year. Uh, that's, that's the important thing. I think that we're, we're all in an area where, or in a spot with as far as taxes go, unless you want a refund or you're you think that your money is doing really great somewhere else. Maybe you guys are just killing it, helping them in the market, and there's going to be something big coming along. You want to have as much money as you can there. But I'd say 95% of the people I deal with would like to pay as you go. Yep. yep. Okay, now part of that, though, is understanding the different levels. We have a progressive tax system. Right. And, you know, different various types of income are taxed at different levels through the system. Could you explain that a little bit? Sure. Okay, you have the, the uh, different incomes are like passive income. We have pa under the passive could be interest, could be dividends. Uh, you have earned income, which is what you work for. Uh, so sometimes it doesn't make it any difference what kind of income it is if you're just trying to report it all, but if you're having, for instance, income from Social Security, the, uh, everybody's concerned about how much of their Social Security will be included in their taxes. That's based on other sources of income, and sometimes it's also based on your earned income. Sometimes mm -hmm. people want to retire at age 62, and they say, hey, I've got, I can bring in $8,000 a year in interest, or $80,000 a year of, an in, of interest, uh, does that preclude me from collecting Social Security early? No, it nope. doesn't. But the same person earns $80,000 working his job, he's not gonna be able to, to collect the, uh, the Social Security or his re Social Security to be reduced on a, on a sliding scale. So earned income is different. It uh, is treated differently at certain areas. Passive income is another where you have income that you might earn from investments or you might earn it from rental property that you're not actually working. And if, if there is a huge advantage being taken by certain taxpayers, they start looking at these, the character of this income and changing some of the rules that, uh, that apply so they can get what they consider to be a more even or fair tax treatment of those numbers. <laughs> Yeah, it just means they want more of your money. That's, That's really it. all that it means. Yeah, That's fair it. to them is not necessarily not, fair to not, all the rest of us. Yep. But hey, that's our job is to help people keep more of their money. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. And again, when when you look at the different types of income, um, ordinary income, you're not paying the Social Security taxes. Correct. Are there other types of income where you're not paying that? Basically, the only the only sources of income that you're paying income tax on is going to be earned income. Those mm -hmm. are what you're that you're uh, applying a trade. Let's say, if there's there's two limits, there's two types of uh, income that you're going to be paying Social Security on. You're going to be paying, or excuse me, two breakdowns of the Social Security. It's going to be Medicare, and it's going to be Social Security. Mm -hmm. Now, the Medicare limits, there's no limit right. on the amount of Medicare you have to pay. 
as your income goes up. And unfortunately, some of your higher income people have probably learned that not only does the income go up, but they have this nice little feature where they add more Medicare taxes to your tax bill if you're making over $350,000 or more. Uh, but if you have two, or let's say you have two jobs and you make $100,000 in each job, you only have to pay Social Security, the Social Security part, up to the income you earned up to $139,000. Anything above that, you get that, the, that portion of the Social Security back. But the earned income is, is something you have to, once again, you have different sources of the income coming in. Nobody's going to tell you unless you have an advisor like yourself or, or us are going to tell you, hey, be wary of this, or hey, you're going to get a nice refund at the end of the year because they're going to refund all of this excess Social Security that you paid in. Yeah, it, it, the 6.2% is just the Social Security for employees, and then you have the 1.45 for Medicare. The 1.45 continues forever. Forever, for yeah. regardless of how much money yep. you earn. Not, not income, just what you earn. Yeah, and the limit on Social Security went up this year. It's up to 142800 right. that they're going to keep taking that. What a surprise. The next yeah. year, do you think it's going to go up again? Uh, I believe it I will. I think that would be a pretty good yeah, bet. The, the number they're looking for is two fifty. That's yeah. where they want to get it to. Sure. But. Okay. Um, really, when we're talking to our, our clients, you know, none of us really know what's going to happen over the next year. Absolutely. I mean, we, we can guess. We can look at the bills that are being proposed. We can look at what's coming through Congress. But what changes do you expect? Uh, given the fact that the state income tax deductions or state tax deductions are limited to $10,000, what that means is when uh, you file your return, you're limited only when you when you categorize your, your taxes, which are real estate taxes, uh, state income taxes, automobile tags, state disability, all of those, uh, there's a limit to them at being $10,000. So if you're living in the, the, the large primarily blue states, California, New York, New Jersey, uh, Illinois. Illinois, they all hit that $10,000 pretty quickly. So, and it was pretty clear in the Republican uh, in the last Republican administration that they that they wanted to teach the blue states that uh, they wanted to you know to kind of stick it to them a little bit. I expect that to change. I expect that that uh, remember this tax bill that was passed by the Republican the Republican tax bill what I think it was in 2017 sunsets on the 2025 in the right. 2025 tax year. So if nothing happens, the way the taxes were before are going to go back to that. That means that all the deductions that are limited now in terms of uh, the, uh, the mortgage interest deductions, the uh, employee business expenses they can take home, they were all limited right. before they're going to come back the way they were prior to 2017. I think you're going to see the, uh, the Democrats try to reverse some of that. I think they're going to see that some of the parts of it were probably effective and some of it weren't. I think that those of us in blue states in California, I, I think that this time next year we'll be deducting uh, property taxes up to whatever the max is. So uh, state and local taxes, that cap's going to come off. I believe it will. I, I you know, the, when when uh, President Trump was telling everybody, he told you, I mean, flat out, you know, you're a blue state, we don't care about you. And I think that <laughs> that the uh, we may see the Democrats take a different uh, position with that. Uh, you know, let's face it, the, the cost 
to run a government, whether it be the state of California or the federal government, there's a bill that has to be paid and you have to get the money from yep. somewhere. So I think what you're going to see also is the, uh, the maximum income tax move up for those people who earn more than $400,000. Interestingly, though, uh, that number isn't nearly what it sounds like. like. Like what they're saying, what they've told, what they've been saying in the, uh, uh, during the elections and that sort of thing is, oh, your taxes are going to go up. You know, the, the, the Democrats, they're going to raise them forever. I'm expecting that the that the top rate will go back to what it was before. The 39.6? 39.6, and it's only 37.6 right now. So it's going to go up 2%, and it's just really on that marginal difference. So uh, remember, most of the taxes are paid by the rich in the, uh, in the United States, not yep. by the lower-income people. So they're going to do that. Kind of interesting to see what's going to happen with the corporate stuff. With uh, A lot of people didn't realize it when... They, everybody was uh, trumpeting that the, the corporation taxes went down. Well, all of us small businesses like yourself and yep. myself, where we're showing maybe a profit of $30,000, dollars $50,000, our taxes almost doubled yep. because you didn't get the surtax exemption anymore. I don't know if that'll come back because I think that you're looking, you know, you're looking at these numbers and if they, if they do decide to do the surtax and give the smaller businesses that the tax break they did before, I think you have to look at raising the corporate taxes and I don't know if there's an appetite out there for that. I mean, obviously, if I had all the answers, I wouldn't be sitting in Lancaster, right? <laughs> well, I'd stay in Palmdale, even with all the answers. I love it here. It, it really, where I see that having a big impact is right now with that top bracket at 37%, it's above 600,000 plus. Right. They're talking about lowering that down to four hundred thousand. That's where it's going to hurt the small businesses, I think. Yeah, and, and it just—it it kind of depends on where, on where you're standing in the line. If, I mean, there's not a lot of people that, uh, that are making that are making a profit in their corporation of six hundred thousand dollars. I do. We do about hundred and twenty tax returns in our corporate tax returns in our office, and I can count on one hand and still pick my nose at the number of people that, that are paying taxes on more than a half a million dollars of corporate taxes. Okay. But those numbers were huge savings for them. Yep. So that person that made that, that got the maximum tax rate down to 20%, uh, as far as the corporation goes, they were saving hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes, Yep. literally. Yep. Okay, which brings us to government spending. I mean, our government loves to spend money. And you see right now there's a, a new stimulus package. I just was looking today. The Senate approved the $1.9 trillion. Um, there's money being spent hand over fist. How do you see that impacting the tax rates? You know, I think what they're really doing is backdoor what happened in some previous administrations where they're just trying to get money out there to keep the economy afloat. Mm -hmm. And whether they give it to... Uh, Every individual in the form of twelve hundred dollars. What, what was it? Maybe six, seven years ago, everybody got six hundred bucks, and you had mm -hmm. the clunker deal, right. just trying to get money back into the system. I was fortunate enough to have uh, one of my clients who used to be in the Reagan administration tell me about it, and I said, "No, oh, what about all these problems they're having?" And he says, "Dave, our biggest problem when you get money out is just to get it out." Yeah, and I think that that's what this is. I have I have more than a few clients who have come to me already this tax season and have said, why are they sending me more money? 
I don't, all I'm going to do is put it in a savings account. The government doesn't want the money to go in the savings account. They no, want don't. it to go. They want it spent. They want it spent. And yeah. so I think you may have seen the same thing I did today where there's, they're talking about what the, what the upper threshold will be, whether mm -hmm. it's going to be 150000 or 130000 yeah. or, or whatever, not necessarily increasing uh, the amounts. Whether or not it comes out at 1400 I last I saw, which was uh, a few hours ago, they were saying that it looks like it was going to be the 1400 mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, once again, you got to pay the bills and, and you, either, you either have a fixed amount or then you become, you start printing your own money and, and who knows how bad or, or good that is. I mean, we, we've gone the ebbs and flows over the last, you know, forever as to whether or not the government should be, have a balanced budget or shouldn't mm -hmm. and should it have a deficit and uh, what are the, you know, what are the... Uh, what reasons are good enough to run up the deficits. And I think everybody sort of feels right now, this coronavirus, you got to get it under control, but you also have to, in some ways, try to mitigate the economic effects. And I think that's what this is, is a much bigger play. They're, they're making it sound like they're doing everybody a favor, which let's face it, if you're getting the, the stimulus check, you know, that's great, but they want you to spend it. Right, yep. And typically, they by limiting the income levels, people with lower incomes are more likely to spend it than saying. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. no question. Or, I think I was reading somewhere where they said that the credit card debt has has uh, reduced more than it's ever have when the yep. last the, yep. the stimulus checks came. So, that'll give people the ability to spend more on their credit cards if they chose to go that okay. way. All right. Well, you know, and again, what. You're talking about, you, we're currently operating under the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that was passed in 2017. It made a number of changes that are gonna sunset in 2025. Yes. Um, with the new administration, are they gonna wait for those changes or what things do you think they're gonna do in the meantime? Who knows? I mean, right now you're seeing a lot of changes for uh, that the Biden administration is trying to undo things that the Trump administration did. I haven't read much, I don't know if you have, but I haven't read much at all in terms of what their, what the overall tax plans are going to be, uh, what they're looking for the changes. The, the, uh, the tax deduction is just something that I personally think that they're, that they're gonna look at. It's an easy one. The salt tax. Yeah, yeah. The, the salt tax. And uh, the, the rest of it, I mean, if they don't do anything, 2025 at all at all boomerangs back to the way it was before which you know when you're one of those when you're one of the teachers that can't actually there's a, I'm not sure if you're aware of this but just recently they changed one of the laws that teachers now uh, that incurred all these expenses to, to get the zoom at home and the new computer and all the things that they had to do for in a home office or in in home zoom those are all you can deduct those now as above the line deduction. You don't have to wow. itemize. I thought that was really interesting. We we just kind of realized or or read some more about it and, and realized what they were really talking about. So we're gonna have to go back a few of our teachers and say, hey, you can write off the Zoom expenses where before you were just limited to $250. Right. If you had to buy a new computer and you yep. had to get the internet and you had to buy desk furniture, then those very well may be all deductible items on your personal tax return and not having to itemize. We have a large teacher population here in our valley. 
Uh, is there a special form that they need for that, or is that? No, it's just going to be a deduction. It's going to be off their 2106, which is employee business expenses. Okay. And there's going to they're going to allow you to take it to the front page. Literally, some of these tax law changes are changing by the hour, by the day. Yeah. I mean, the the tax returns can't be filed until. Uh, the first tax return can't be filed until February 12th, February 12th yeah. and that's because they're still changing the forms. Right. Okay. So, so that that will show up and we'll be able to guide our teacher clients. Absolutely, that. and, yeah. and that's, that's, effective, that's effective 2020. Okay. Yeah, I, I, when you look at some of the changes that are going to happen automatically, that's one thing. But when they're changing the forms and changing the system as you go, and you can't even file last year's returns because we don't know yet, right? it makes it pretty tough. And then on top of that, you know, some of the changes are affected by previous years, so it's, it gives you the opportunity or, you know, we'll say the opportunity to amend prior returns and get some refunds back, but that's pretty dicey too. Yeah. You're, you're opening up your return for another look at the IRS, and I don't think anybody wants their return to be looked at more than once. No, I, I prefer they just ignore us completely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Dave. I really appreciate you taking the time you know, to educate us and educate our clients a little bit. We, we really do appreciate it. Uh, and we do these for, for you, our clients out there, because the truth of it is, your money matters. Securities offered through SCF Securities Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through SCF Investment Advisors Incorporated. SCF Securities Incorporated and Kelly Financial Group are independently owned and operated. Neither Michael Kelly or Arlen Kelly offer legal or tax advice. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax advisor or attorney. Please consult legal or tax professionals for specific information regarding your individual situation.